The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from between two East River bridges, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Episode 269 with your hosts, Louis Trapani. Hey, hello, everyone. And across the pond, Dave A.C. Cooper. Well, don't just stand there. Throw me a life belt. I'm between the two bridges. <laughs> and I'm Taras Natishan. Hello, Taras. Welcome back. It's uh, good to be back. And um, I hope it's- everyone had a... Um, was, I guess it's probably been a couple of weeks since our last show, so uh, we want to get... We want to get back on our more regular basis, so. Um, but we'll talk about that more because I'll, I'll have a little teaser on what's coming up in our next episode. So, but I hope well, everyone's doing well. Here. What was that, Taras? It's good to be here again. Yeah, it was great having you last time. And Dave, are you all right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to have a stiff drink now. Out of the water. <laughs> I'm drinking my black tongue Shiraz. Poor Dave. Dave's such a, such a trooper. It's in the in the wee hours of the morning there in the UK, but he's um he's here with us. We're pachocking along. Indeed. So we um we got some news to cover and some feedback to cover. So I guess we can start with um what picking up a new story which we spoke about last time, which was uh, that they were planning to shoot in New York, and now uh now they we can say that they had shot in New York, which um. Was now well, today is Wednesday the twenty fifth. Now last week, if I'm not mistaken, was it was did it start on Wednesday or Tuesday? It, it was the middle of, or maybe it was Monday. I don't know, but it was it was last week that they were started shooting. And originally, at least to my understanding, initially they were shooting in Central Park and the um, I think it was in the south west corner of central park if i'm not mistaken by the well, they, they were in a couple of uh locations mm-hmm. in central park i believe at least three locations but one of them was by the pond <laughs> right the dead pond <laughs> no ducks in the yeah. pond that's very strange well in one of the photos i saw on the doctor who site there is a duck in the background behind uh, amy and rory so the ponds were in the po- were at the pond yeah, I think this is where you should give everybody a warning. If you, if you really are petrified of finding out information about Doctor Who, carry on listening to us because we won't spoil you without giving you a little warning. But do be careful on the internet. There's uh, lots of things that you can come across by accident. Yeah, I got scared away. I was going. I came across something, and um, and they, you know, they had some spoiler warnings. And I'm like, no, I'll just skip across those pictures because I didn't want to. I, I just, you know, I figured if I don't have to, I don't. I shouldn't have to see it. So, um, yeah. So be warned. What we 
do on the show, you know, we always give a warning if it is a mild spoiler, but we're not going to give anything major away. So, yeah, they were shooting in Central Park, and then, Teres, you had caught them uh, by the, was it by... In Tudor City. Okay. That was, and that's... that's uh, a block away from the United Nations. All right. And Tudor City kind of can look like uh, 30s New York City, depending on how you uh, how you shoot it. Well, that's strange because they always come to where I live in Manchester. Uh, that's where Captain America, they filmed some old streets of New York in the, the uh, northern quarter of Manchester. It could be... You know, they could be time traveling within the story. They could, I mean, the story may be set in two different or multiple time. This is all speculation. It's not, not spoilers. I'm just speculating here. I, I'm just saying it's a possibility. The, the only mild spoiler might be is that the, the the one photo that I saw was even before they got to Manhattan, which was a dressed up street in Cardiff, was, um, they, which, you know, made to look like Manhattan. It had a no parking sign on the, you know, on the street. So obviously cars had been invented and because there was a new york no it was a, a, a obvious new york city parking sign no parking sign that was part of the set or on, on location there so we know automobiles were are around at least in the time period well if it has signs that say walk don't walk you know it's not cardiff it must be uh, <laughs> new york yeah i didn't see that so so it's pretty well, exciting for the Tudor for the Tudor City sh- shoot. Uh, there was uh, a, an estimate of about twelve hundred fans that turned out to 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 observe the uh, the shooting. You know, the scenes I'm that they did very the frustrated studio. they didn't check with me first because the week before it would have been fine with me. I would have been in there, or the week after it would have been fine. It's just that week was a very very tough week for me, and uh, I, I couldn't get into. Uh, you know, into the city to try to like hunt them down. I knew, obviously, I I, I had um, known about the Central Park location, and then I was going to try to, you know, if I was able to get into the city, kind of wing it by going back there. Or, or there was a, I think it was a, um, I forget the name of the site, but it was a shooting locations in New York or something like that. A site dedicated to that that was kind of tracking them, and um, so I was kind of using that as a, um, you know, as a compass to where they might be. But unfortunately, I, I didn't get to see them. Did, so you saw, you saw them in um, when they were by the World Trade Center. No, the uh, Tudor City near the UN. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 my mind said my mind said UN. <laughs> my mouth said World Trade Center. That's very yeah, weird. Yeah, we won't yeah. listen to what your mouth says. Yeah, anymore. just ignore what my mouth. Everyone, just do a psychic connection to my brain and just whatever comes out of my mouth, just you know, just ignore. I mean, yeah, that's... I got this site pretty late because I was at a playoff hockey game, so I had to then rush across uh, Manhattan to to get to the uh, location. And they were filming, I think, the the last scene or two of that evening that that they were doing at that site. And I think they they had done filming throughout the night at other locations, which I won't mention so as not to spoil anybody, which I believe were closed to the public. Well, that's a fabulous number. I mean, going back pre-2005, uh, that would probably be the, the total membership of Doctor Who fan groups in America complete. And they're all at one place just watching. 
brilliant. Yeah, it's the show has really, you know, changed dramatically. I mean, as far as uh, its um, public presence, as far as its uh, pop culture presence, I should say, you know, in in the U.S. I mean, not, not to the point where everyone will know immediately, you know, who the Doctor and, and the current companion is, but I think they have some idea of, you know, if if they say a blue, you know, British old, you know, call box, they'll they'll know what that's associated with a lot not everyone but I, I think more people than 20 years ago indeed and i think this marks the third year in a row that the the principals and uh stephen moffat have been in new york city in the spring in april yeah this is would be you're right this would be the third because it was uh 2010 which they had the uh, the world premiere at the Paley Center of the 11th hour, which featured the first story of the 11th Doctor. And then a year later, they were back in Manhattan for the uh, the launch of the, of the, you know, the, the 11th Doctor's second series, you know, the last year's series of 2011. And then, um, and both, they, they, they both, on both occasions, they did a show at the, um, in the village, that's the... Village East Cinema, I yes. believe it's called. Yeah, and of course, Karen Gillan was there when she was playing Jean Shrimpton in the drama documentary We'll Take Manhattan about the photographer David Bailey. So, yeah, so this is the third year in a row that they're in New York City in April. Brilliant. And it was probably a once-in-a-lifetime chance for the people in the region to see an actual shooting of a scene from Doctor Who. And Stephen Moffat has said, by the way, hasn't he? He said uh, when interviewed, he was asked, you know, uh, are are you doing this in America to woo the Americans? Uh, And he quite frankly said, and I think this is an honest answer on his part, no, the Americans can see any number of programmes set in New York. They don't need another one. Uh, They they went there more for the English audience in a way, uh, almost to sort of say to to the America uh, to the UK audience look doctor who's really arrived we're filming in America not to say to the American audience you know we'll give you what you want because it, it, you know if you don't have the yellow taxi cabs and uh, you know skyscrapers you might not understand doctor who that's not that the reason at all it's uh, it's a new way of uh, doing it and uh, although he said in that interview about uh, which uh, enemies might be with them we don't need to mention that here, but the point is it gives great opportunities because we've had episodes in the past where a film crew have gone to, or a secondary film crew have gone to America and taken footage without the actors actually going to America. Well, they it. did shoot in Utah last year. Right. Yeah, they did. And But I think what, what Dave, that, Dave what is getting at was um, early, earlier on, they, yeah, they, yeah. they right. did shoot in New York once before, though it wasn't with the principals. Yeah. No, I, I and think... I um, got away with that by using uh, Doctor Who Confidential's budget for, for those plate shots in Manhattan, yeah. which leads me to uh, a, a little editorializing that uh, I think the BBC kind of lost an opportunity here to promote the show uh, more in America with... Uh, the loss of uh, Doctor Who Confidential in that they didn't have 
either them or they didn't inform BBC America to uh, that the filming was going on, so they didn't have a film crew to to capture the 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 tremendous crowd that showed up for the filming. Well, maybe the, are you certain they didn't that BBC America didn't um, kind of shoot some of that for because they they usually do those little couple well, they minute... only had the, the one camera of the uh, of the uh, production team that was shooting the scenes they didn't have any no i thought maybe bbc america themselves might have brought a camera crew there they weren't informed of uh where the shoots were going to be so they couldn't plan anything i'm that's i just find that surprising i mean i'm not arguing with you i'm just saying i'm just finding it surprising that they they didn't do that Uh, that, that's why i I was uh editorializing because i didn't really believe that myself either because when they were here for the promotion tour i guess they were partnering with bbc america so they were doing the filming of the the crowds in front of the theater yeah and they did like little interviews with the you know the the various you know the the actors that were here you know visiting and um you know and they and they use that as sort of like promo you know to build up the hype and the excitement when the new series was airing on bbc america they would you know put them they would have it on their website and uh presumably um on 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 their station as well then, then again i think they were trying to sneak in under the radar but you, you really can't hide in uh in this city with a production like doctor who yeah so it's pretty exciting i i just wish they i just wish it was uh you know this Checked week your schedule yeah, or the week before and actually i mean the week before i was actually in the city um but whatever what's going to be is going to be but unfortunately it just it was just a, it was a bad week for me and i couldn't get in so next time if there is one <laughs> i guess i'll have to go i'll have to go to cardiff <laughs> just quickly off the top of my head and this is not something that you guys will have known but mentioning that just reminding me of uh, one of the groups in the uk that takes its name uh, after uh, hooverville and uh, i think it took it out of uh, from daleks in manhattan there was the uh, you know the the, yes. the camp village and that. Uh, just to say that Hooverville Four will be uh, Sunday, first of September, two thousand and twelve. Peter Purves, Terry Malloy, Donald G, um, and um, I'm sure you can find that by uh, doing a little search on that line. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I know that's um, usually gets a good turnout there of. Um Doctor Who fans, so it's... Yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll give that a mention much nearer the yeah. time. Okay, now I'll sort of jump along um, on our on our rundown here, because uh, speaking of Manhattan and um, turnouts of Doctor Who fans, uh, this, at the I guess it was the, the weekend before they were doing the shooting, was the that um, the Paley Center had Waris Hussein there, the Doctor That was that same week, it was the Tuesday of that week. It was the Tuesday, so... Yeah, so it was a very much a Doctor Who week in New York that week. So, which uh, the 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 group Doctor Who New York had um, organized a an event at the Paley Center with Waris Hussein. Yes, it was Who York with uh, uh, with New York Comic Con at the uh, the Paley Center, and uh, it was very well attended. There was about. Uh, 200 people in the main theater with an overflow of like 70 people in uh in a secondary room where i believe they had it on uh closed circuit television 
And now, and, uh, on the Paley Center uh, website, PaleyCenter.org, there is a uh, little clip from uh, the event as well. So those that missed it can go at least get a taste of uh, Loris Hussein. Yeah, it's, it's a, a few minutes long. That uh, obviously the event itself, I'm, I'm assuming, was um, I, I, at least an hour or so. I would think. Well, it started out with the, an introduction and then uh, a viewing with uh, commentary, live commentary of an unearthly child, and then uh, Loris Hussein was uh, interviewed by Barnaby Edwards, followed by uh, Q and A with the audience, and then. Uh, there was uh, a little trivia thing to give away some DVDs that I believe uh, BBC America provided. Excellent. Well, Warris Hussain is a great person to to fill your time with because he has so many. Um, his memory of of you know all those years ago are st- is still very sharp. We you know we had him on our show when a couple years ago at. Um, you know, live at Gallifrey, we did a um, we had Waris Hussein on, and then we had we had interviewed him too um, a few months before that as well. So he's always a, a delight to have on the show. He's a um, a good guy, and, and I've seen him twice already, and he 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 really isn't repetitive at all. So it's, uh, you always get something new from him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we want to treasure all these people that we have from Doctor Who. I mean, we know from all the sad events we've had recently. One astounding fact you guys will probably, and our listeners will certainly know, would you believe the 19th of April that's just gone a week ago, it's one year since uh, yeah. we lost Elizabeth Sladen. I can't believe it. One year. Yeah, I had someone had tweeted me about that. It was that it was the anniversary of her passing. And I said, yeah, that would makes sense you know I, I didn't really mark the date down but it it made sense in my memory that it was a year we may talk about this later on because i think that might be a topic of one of the feedbacks that we got okay so uh there have been um da- bafter <laughs> bafter nominations announced uh which uh some of which are um uh pertain to doctor who indeed uh, certainly in the technical effects, uh, our visual effects section, The Mill uh, has been nominated for their work on Doctor Who, uh, up against um, Blue Bolt for Great Expectations, BBC One production, uh, and uh, uh, a group, Philip uh, Dobry, Sophia Ord and Dan Upton for Inside the Human Body, a science programme, and uh, Burnell Durant, Heifel, I think, for Wonders of the Universe. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure Taris would be uh, quite pleased that something like Wonders of the Universe uh, gets uh, a shout-out. Anything that promotes people to uh, know a little bit more about the uh, the sky above us, uh, I should imagine, is good in his book. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, and a writer award Steve, uh, for writer Stephen Moffat is up, but this time he's up for a Sherlock episode, uh, A Scandal in Belgravia. Of course, based on uh, Scandal in Bohemia, the original Conan Doyle story. So I see a lot of Doctor Who, you know, people alumni. that have... Alumni. Yeah, alumni is, is, is the right word. You know, people that have been, you know, connected to Doctor Who in one way or another that are now working on other shows or roles and whatnot that have been nominated. So 
Doctor Who itself isn't really represented too much on the BAFTAs, but there people that are, that have you know are associated with the shows are. Well, there's some acting ones, aren't there, Taras? In the lead actor section. Yes, we have John Sim for uh, Exile going up against Benedict Cumberbatch. For Sherlock. Yeah. Right. And and uh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, uh, the, the two main actors from Sherlock are both going to be featuring in The Hobbit. So, I mean, uh, it's certainly opened doors. I mean, uh, remember years back, you would see some actors that may be you know, appeared on Doctor Who and, and, and maybe disappeared without trace away from Doctor Who. But, I mean, uh, how many... How many wh- whoever it has been in the last seven years that's been doing the casting for Doctor Who, they, they, they've been unbelievable, whether it's one person or two. And I'm sure all our listeners are shouting at... Dave, you should know that. You should know things like this. But I can't bring the names to mind at the moment. But, I mean, the the actual casting and uh, maybe even with this new Doctor Who companion that we've uh, we've got coming up, they all seem to be people that are just on the edge of breaking yeah, out. Um, what's the, the actress that played Sally Sparrow? She's gone on to do many feature films. and Kerry Mulligan. Yes, her. <laughs> Speaking about having absent-minded people... <laughs> That's that's I qualify. Oh, I remember that. name. I remember names like that. I'm yeah. quite uh, fond of her. I think she's absolutely brilliant. I've not seen her do a bad thing. But that's a great yeah. example there of people that have gone off and, and done um, other stuff out. You know, after yeah, working well, she on was in him. the film An Education straight after, and then she was in Is it Wall Street Two and uh, one or two other things, uh, and she bit, basically. Uh, I think anybody at the BBC would say, you know, if we did, if it would ask us six months later, you know, we wouldn't have got her. Mm. So the BAFTA Awards are in May, which is next month. So um, I guess you know we'll find out who's who's who, yes. who's who's winning what then. Sunday, Sunday the twenty seventh of May. That that's the. Uh... The TV awards, the the television yeah. craft awards, is the thirteenth of May. That's where the mill is up. Good point. All right. I'm not too sure whether Stephen Fry is doing the hosting again. That's great. I think uh, I think probably we've given people enough information about that. This certainly it's easy to find the site www.bafta.org. It goes without say that um, I'm sure some of the names that you'll recognize from Doctor Who will be. Coming home with a, with a BAFTA. <laughs> Should we move on to fashion news? Yeah, I, I think in, you, in you wanted to mention about Karen Gillan, yes. Yeah, in this year's uh, Scottish Fashion Awards, one of the nominees for the title of fashion icon is uh, Karen Gillan. And the, uh, the awards will take place at Clyde Auditorium on Monday, June 11th. So now, why is she being? Um, what is it for her? Um, I mean, uh, explain to me why she's being. Um, why she's one of the nominees? I mean, she's not a fashion model; she's an actress. Well, she played a fashion model, of course, Jean Shrimpton, as I mentioned earlier. I don't know whether that's the uh, the key into it. Mm-hmm. And of course, I suppose she's uh, an ambassador or ambassadoress, if there's such a word, for Scottish. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, know. just being a celebrity, you you kind of become an icon. So I guess 
that that's probably related to that as well. All right, well, very good. Yeah, well, well, you, you, listeners, you can tell we're not all big <laughs> fashion gurus in the room. <laughs> <laughs> there are three big finished releases this month of note. Uh, we've got uh, in the main range, we have uh, a Peter Davison story, The Emerald Tiger. And uh, in the... F- fourth doctor series we have energy of the daleks is the uh, april release and in the companion chronicles a uh, william russell uh companion chronicle the wanderer is uh the april release oh, very good and also you had a um a dvd upcoming release that we, we just found out before the show well that that's coming up later in the year so that that's uh the crotons was put on the schedule actually we just recently had the Damons released in the united states and i think that was recently released in the uk as well if i'm not mistaken david uh, i think indeed it was you're right yeah um in fact, uh, just recently, I mean, I'm uh, trying to think about because there's been some great releases just recently. Um, there's uh, the Damien's and then there's the Eden one that's come out, I think. I can't remember the full title. Nightmare, N- of, Nightmare, Eden. Nightmare of Eden, yeah. Yeah, that that's going to be released soon in the States along with uh, Dragonfire and the Happiness Patrol. I guess uh, those two are coming up shortly in the UK as well as the uh, the Ace Stories, I believe the box set is called. Ah, uh, right. And we also had uh, in the States the release of the special edition of Carnival of Monsters. I think that was in one of the Regenerations uh, or Revisitations uh, releases from uh, a while back. Love that story. It's nice to see some... Uh third Doctor stories coming out. Yeah, that one was released a long time ago, and then it was in the, yeah. one of the revisitation sets that came out in the UK, and they finally released a special edition here. Yeah, I think there have been three, three revisitation yes. sets, yeah. Well, also coming out is something that would be um, a book by a group of editors that are familiar to us, which is the book is called the mythological dimensions of Neil Gaiman. And the book title sounds familiar is because their previous book was the mythological dimensions of Dr. Who. And these are friends of the show, Anthony Burge and Jessica Burke and Christine Larson uh, have a, who had worked on the the previous four mentioned title are now um, launching the latest uh, Endeavor, which is a similar book, but this one not on Doctor Who itself, but on Neil Gaiman. And um, for they're also going to be offering a couple of books to our listeners. We're going to have more about that in a future episode. Uh, I haven't had a chance to um, uh, to to read this book yet, but I, I want to um, get myself a little familiar with it before we start talking about, you know, announcing the book uh, giveaways. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so if your giveaway is taking a long time to arrive, that's because Lewis is reading it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it will be a, an unbent <laughs> copy. No dog ears? No dog yeah. ears, yeah. 
if you want to know a little bit more about it, it's Kitsune Books that are their publishers. And, of course, uh, those three people are the editors. And uh, this comes from, uh, although certainly, um, I mean, I just started reading uh, this particular book, uh, but um, the, the, the original one that came out, the mythological mentions of Doctor Who, although it started off as a sort of quite uh, academic piece, um, it, it actually can appeal to anybody who's interested in, you know, the sort of background and 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 theories that people have, and and uh, uh, some of the motives behind, and some of the the themes that are uh, in the background, as it were, in all of Doctor Who. And uh, th- these guys are absolute fans. Uh, they are literary people in themselves done a lot of work on uh, you know things like uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and so on so these are people that um, have uh, literature in their very soul and a very fond place in their heart for things related to Doctor Who and of course one of the surprising things that I only found out recently is is the breadth of the work that Neil Gaiman did uh, we, we did a, a, a podcast on uh, you know about 100 top sci-fi books and I was absolutely amazed to find that Neil Gaiman had about five of his books in um, in, in that top list um, and he's also had uh, things like um, some of his books made into animated films I mean Stardust is one of the well that's not animated but uh, an awful lot of his work is actually out there when you actually do a, a little look up on it. So really like Coraline great. was a Coraline, recent, uh, yes, that's the the animated one. Thank you, Taurus. Yeah, so if you want to get the book early work was uh a uh a guide to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book an early book on Duran Duran as well. The group or the or or the, the, the oh okay because <laughs> the name comes yeah the name comes from the Barbarella and that book actually commands a a huge price on the used book market so those that have that book are sitting on a gold mine. Well, speaking of price, this book which is not doesn't have a huge price, it's affordable at fifteen dollars paperback book. I believe it's on Amazon. You can also purchase it through. Um, uh, it's kurtsinbooks.com. We'll have a link on the Kits- show notes. Kitsun, I, th- I Kits- pronounced Okay, it Kits. Right. I'm sorry, my 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 bad. Kits Kitsun, which is S U N, but well, it's K I T S U N E books, you know, dot com. And then uh, uh, um, it's it's again the myth- mythological dimensions of Neil Gaiman. And just think, if you think, well, what's that got to do with Doctor Who? Think the Doctor's wife. Yes, because he had um, written that episode, and he also was um, the, uh, I guess, the guest host, if you want to call it a host, but uh, presenter um, for the Doctor's Confidential for that the companion uh, Confidential episode for that story, which um, he reads some of what he had written in that Confidential. I know a lot of people have been saying that he should, um, you know. Uh, do some more Doctor Who stories where he would read them out loud. You know, like audiobooks. Mm. I'd pay for that. Yeah. Dave, you are planning to have um, 
uh, I think Anthony, perhaps Jessica and Christine. Yes, we're, on... we're, we're, we're hoping to get together and do a studio episode. Uh, we've got a couple of big uh, fans in uh, in our little collective uh, of Neil Gaiman. Uh, we did do a, a, an interview that you'll find on our, our collective feed uh, when the mythological dimensions of uh, Doctor Who came out and uh, hopefully they've agreed, well, they have agreed, we've just got to schedule the date and uh, like you said, I've got to read fast <laughs> so that uh, I can try and yeah. make some educated, I'll put some educated questions to the guys. We, I know we, uh, we did a launch you know, for their New York, they had several New York City launch um, parties and we did a live show at um, in, in one of them in the village, yeah, Fiddlesticks, which was a good event. Oh, they're coming after you now. Yeah. I knew we shouldn't <laughs> have met in the speakeasy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, moving along, let's see, the, the sonic screwdriver is becoming a reality, at least, um, to the Dundee University researchers, they created a machine that uses ultrasonic to, uh, I guess, ultra, uses ultrasound, rather, to uh, lift and rotate a rubber disc floating in a cylinder of water. Okay, well, I, this is, I guess, no, the first no, this step. Is this is going to have great medical applications, I believe. That's, that's the real uh, yeah. secret about this, because it means that you can... Uh, I mean, everybody's probably familiar with uh, uh, pregnant ladies having their abdomens um, done by some sort of uh, sonic device that will give a a, um, a a type of picture. So it, it actually looks as though it's going to have uh, really good applications. Uh, my son lives up in Dundee, went to Dundee University, So, uh, but there are about two universities there, very high up for their medical studies up in that area. Uh, of course, uh, some people would say that uh, Scotland's the uh, the home of uh, good medicine. So, yeah, uh, they use energy from an ultrasound array to form a beam that can both carry momentum to push an object in its path and using a beam straight, uh, shaped like a helix or vortex to cause the object to rotate. Yes, it's caught in the vortex. So the real question is whether or not this will work on wood or not. <laughs> we shall see. We shall, we shall see. see. Yes. Well, I have a sonic screwdriver here. Yeah, it still doesn't work on wood yet, but <laughs> keep trying, Lewis. Keep we'll trying. keep trying. Maybe it's the third setting you need to use. <laughs> the red setting. The red setting. Moving along to a little bit more. Um, Speaking of wood. Speaking of wood. <laughs> we're going to get to that in a minute. But there was a... <laughs> but first, there was uh, a ruling by the the trust, which is, I guess, is a, a, a governing body that oversees the, the BBC, if I'm not mistaken, uh, concerning Torchwood. There was a scene... If you've seen Torchwood Miracle Day, there was a episode... Uh, featuring Captain Jack and another character, Angelo, Angelo, Calasanto, and uh, which they, I guess there was some uh, concern that the, that because it was a sexual scene that uh, was close to the 
what is that, nine o'clock t- watershed time? No, and it was after, after that. It was. Uh, it was they, after they were it. Yeah, that it was too close to it. Right. That was the complaint. But the trust so, ruled that uh, it was uh, it was appropriately handled and it was not proven. Uh, pr- uh, was it? Uh, was not pertinent, purient, or exploitative. And I've had a drink. Well, I can say it. Uh, Yeah, uh, one of the things, and and to remember, by the way, I think even the, uh, you guys will probably again know better than me, the actual airing in America was slightly edited over and above what the version in the UK was. Or am I getting it the wrong way around? It's the wrong way around because in the U.S. it was on a uh, pay movie channel, which has uh, different rules from the uh, broadcast networks. I see. Right. I think I saw I saw both versions, and uh, basically uh, the cuts. All they really did was uh, draw attention to the differences. I think they would have been better not making any cuts myself. Well, my concern here is that uh, – is about their concern saying that, um, you know, that, that it was too close to the watershed and, quote, it was inappropriate for children as it featured two men, unquote. Well, what different if it's sex, it's sex. So what difference does it make what the sex of uh, – of what the gender are, you know? So – if so, if it are you saying that if it was um, opposite sex, it would be fine? So that's well, yeah, it's badly worded. That I, yeah. I think what's happened in the UK is that for a long time standing, we've had this nine o'clock watershed, but uh, since something like the nineteen eighties, uh, children's bedtime have certainly not only gone later, but the very fact that of course eight percent of children have TVs in the bedrooms now, so. In, in the UK, there's now basically two watersheds. There's a nine o'clock watershed where, you know, things ease off. And then there's almost like a 10 o'clock watershed where, you know, you have that sort of hour um, space between our two bridges. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, usually if it's um, a play, an adult play, uh, with 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 nudity of any sort, whether it's including sexual scenes, but are just nudity, they they tended to be coming nearer to after the ten o'clock. But um, the the whole point is you can. It's very difficult to have a single watershed. You know, to go from you know sort of uh, fluffy bunnies up to nine o'clock, and then uh, uh, well, I'm not going to say what else afterwards, but. Uh, Whatever can happen, whatever is allowed at all, to suddenly jump in. Of course, uh, often you know, with with many modern day films, to grab your attention, you, you'll start a film off, and the first scene is a murder or a stabbing or a fight. Well, yeah, I mean that that's what I was going to make a point at. You know, where you can have two people killing each other, which is fine. You know, which is considered acceptable in in, in so many of these. You know. Uh, Groups that that would normally have an outrage if if those two same people if those two same people were then making love to each other, especially if they were the same sex, then it would be <laughs> it's, it just seems um, bizarre. And if you've seen it, I which I had seen, you know, it didn't the, the scene was done well. It wasn't. I didn't think it was um, 
um, you know. So, so do you think it's to the credit of the trust that um, this was uh, was not acted upon, and uh, they concluded that uh, it, things were fine? Or do you still bemoan the fact that it was actually sent to them to examine? Well, I bemoan the fact that it was sent to them to examine. I, I mean, I'm glad that they determined that it was, you know, th- there was nothing inappropriate about it. Yeah, given the nature of the drama, and it's, and I think context was in here as well. Um, people who know the Captain Jack character, um, uh, and f- and I think probably the very fact that for many years, because Captain Jack was going to return to Doctor Who, uh, there was always that nature of. Um, you know, there was that sort of hedging the bets, let's put it that way, because he may return. Uh, I've got a feeling that once we saw that uh, Torchwood, um, it's a pretty safe bet that we won't see Captain Jack in Doctor Who again. Although, of course, with the 50th anniversary coming up. Well, uh, we know John Barrowman wants to do a it. campaign to, uh, to have people petition for Captain Jack to return. Think it's, there is one. Are you think it's likely? I, I think it's he, he's he's urging fans to campaign for Jack Harkness to return. I think that would be appropriate to me. Uh, uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, by then, I mean. Well, I know uh, he has come out and he has said it um, going back as far as a year ago that he would love to be back for the fiftieth anniversary. And I, I know it's um, it, it's something that um, that that Stephen Moffat had said that he would uh, welcome to have you know he would always you know be open to the idea of bringing the character back, but it was always a matter of scheduling. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not. I mean, that that if he does return for um, some time during the fiftieth anniversary se- series. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would appreciate that there are, there are many people who uh, who think you, you shouldn't need to have certain people to sort of break these quote-unquote taboos. But I think Captain Jack is one of those characters that um, you may have to have. I mean, he's the horror of uh, modern-day times, isn't he? You know, with the, you know, the first black kiss mm, uh, on with TV. William Shatner back in... Yeah, right, Um I mean, you almost you almost need to have a much adored character who's got a fan following of uh, you know he's got a fan following of females and a um, <laughs> a fan following of uh, gentlemen. And just uh, I, I just want to make a little. Uh, we had um, our uh, again sorry to sound as though I'm promoting uh, our own show, but we we just had. Uh, uh, the Occultum uh, Collective show, and um, we featured a little uh, audio clip that had been sent in um, from uh, Sherry uh, uh, Egerton Samson, that's Sherry from the Happiness Patrol, where she'd been to this, um, um, it's called, is it called C2E2? Uh, yeah, in and Chicago. Yeah, the Chicago, and she'd met Captain Jack. A, f- a lovely little report she sent in for us, uh, and she was like a wobbling jelly <laughs> in front of Captain Jack. <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't seem to put any of his girl fans off that uh, that you know he's uh, you know in a long time relationship, um, and 
yet he's still he's one of these people that crosses boundaries and i think whether you whether you feel as though we should need characters like that or not they do do a lot of um taboo breaking if for some people these are still taboos so to go um to what i think Taras had said about him campaigning to go back to to return he had said and this is uh in the this is in a radio time story he's quoted saying uh, quote, it's also up to the fans because if they want it, all they have to do is go is get on those keyboards and start writing. You have been known to change things, end quote. And he was addressing fans. So when he says you, he's speaking to fandom. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, mean, I believe he said that at that C2E2 convention in Chicago. I mean, just to put this in context, the actual page uh, on the BBC that actually relates to this uh, there was actually another complaint of uh, uh, you have uh, Dancing with the Stars in America and we we have what's called script, Strictly Come Dancing. And the, uh, and the other thing was about somebody because he was doing hip thrusts, uh, you know, during the dance. You know, Michael Jackson-style <laughs> hip thrusts. And that got... The point is, of course, uh, if people send in complaints, they have to be investigated. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the, the common... Feeling thinking. out yeah. in the real mm-hmm. world, yeah. All right. Well, they better get on that Elvis Presley guy because I think he's doing those hip things too. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does it mean that the complaint has merit, but it just needs airing out. What's a white man doing singing black music? <laughs> right now, our on music a- is multicolored, multichromatic. <laughs> well, since since we're we're getting blue on Doctor Who Pachak. <laughs> I'll I'll continue that with uh, with this news story that that came to light um, <laughs> earlier today, at least for me, was um, that there's a um, yes, you're hearing this right, a TARDIS dildo. <laughs> um, yes, uh, it's a um, what they're now, calling where did a. You find this, Lewis. Why? I, I I haven't found it yet. I'm looking for it. No, 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 no. It's it's uh known as it's it's let's see it's it's called a tickler. They're calling it. It's and I guess if you go to toymakerproject.com/tickler, you'll um, at least that's the the URL on these photos on 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 this story here. It's basically basically a um a, a there's a little TARDIS embedded in a translucent um, dildo. Yeah, what they're calling it, which emulates a a vortex. So uh, um, I'm just curious whether or not it's bigger on the inside. Yeah. (laughs) I know the TARDIS has been to e-space, but this is ridiculous. (laughs) Anyway, just a a bit of fluff in more ways than one and um, to go along with uh, that... Getting uh, talking For blue on Doctor Who. That sort of thing. Yeah, and as we always say, children, don't try that at home. Yeah. All right. Well, Doctor Who sex toys. What's next? <laughs> we can only go. Just when you think you've seen everything that there is, you know, um, surprise. All right. But, but, I mean, is this something that's they're actually trying to? I don't think it's. Down? I don't think it's officially licensed. <laughs> I think not. I think not. Yeah. Now you're getting them in trouble. Yeah. Well. 
All right. Well, it's it's not a TARDIS. It's a blue phone box in a dildo. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Thank you very much because you didn't say the obvious phrase that everybody out there listening is thinking. Well, I already oh, asked God. if it was bigger on the inside. <laughs> I, I did it! And I thought without Graham here, that wouldn't get said. <laughs> no, I, I said it before. <laughs> you know I couldn't let that go by. I think some editing might be in order. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're keeping the... We're so keeping do we the... have a hurricane brewing? <laughs> yeah, we certainly do. Indeed. Let's, let's move on. Move along. Move and now on. for something completely different. <laughs> well, vortexes lead, you know, it, a hurricane is a sense, is a big vortex. Not, I guess a tornado would be a better analogy there. But uh, so there's this, um, the the hurricane who events in, in Florida are having a night with Peter Davison, a summer night. It's summer, it's, it's, it's advertised. And thank you to Ian, the Sixth Doctor, for uh, bringing my attention to this this to my attention uh, hurricane who's summer night thursday june 28th uh, uh 6 p.m to 11 p.m lake buena vista is it florida yeah. uh and the main guest is uh peter davidson the fifth doctor oh, very good well uh, again a great guest um always uh delightful to have him at a convention and uh to see in person and um yeah. yeah, if you go to uh, com, I'm sure you can find the link to Hurricane Who there. Next up, we have a new station, a new channel that you wanted to talk to, about, Dave? Yeah, this is, again, Benjamin Elliott, the uh, recently, uh, this week in Doctor Who guy who's now retired from that role, Um uh, well, he did it for many he, years. He did it for like 20, 21 years job. or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a Yahoo group for that as well. Uh, this is a channel called Weta, uh, W-E-T-A. They're bringing out a UK-targeted uh, channel. Classic, quirky, contemporary, British television at its best. And the reason we mentioned it here is, amongst other things, uh, they will be doing uh, lots of Doctor Who stuff, uh, Doctor Who. Uh, they will also be going to Ashes of to Ashes and Life on Mars and all the other Inspector Morse and so on. I Claudius, but um, uh, for instance, uh, every uh, weekday night, Monday, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, thir- uh, and Wednesday, sorry, uh, at four p.m. Classic Doctor Who. So this is WW, and I think they ha- actually have a Twitter feed. And I think the the Twitter feed is um, W E T A U K T V. Uh, I will just confirm that. Um, I see W E T A T V F M. F M on their page. Brilliant, thank you, Taras. Is is it an acronym for anything? W E T A, or does it have any meaning other than just letters? I know in, in the states, uh, you know, many uh, stations will have core letters that will begin with W, but I, you know, this is a, that's not the case in the UK. So, I, well, 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 the W stands for Washington. Okay. So it's Washington something something TV. something 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 dark side something. Answers on a postcard. Well, 
it sounds like they got a good lineup there. You got Red Dwarf, um, possibly, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff there. We've got Doc Martin, Outnumbered, Faulty Towers, Vicar of Dibley, Keeping Up Appearances, uh, Waiting for God, Are You Being Served? Uh, not all of these are science fiction, of course, but a lot of British comedy. And it's amazing, actually, that a lot of, not amazing, but quite a lot of people in America who like UK science fiction seem to appreciate the uh, the UK style of humour. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Primeval is another one. That's a science fiction one. So um, maybe this might get a little bit more of a mention on uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me of um, on a related story, uh, if you if you will. I don't know how much of a story it is, but earlier this week, I wasn't looking for it. I kind of just stumbled upon this in the in the App Store in the Apple App Store for iOS. I was going there for I forgot what I was going there to. Oh, I remember, okay. I was I was. I was going there to get the Connect Star Wars, which will uh, take your Twitter feed and uh, Facebook feed and make it into a Star Wars opening crawl, you know, as you see. I, I, I posted a video about it, but that's not what the story – that's not what I'm talking about here. But that's the reason why I was I was, explo- I was looking for that. And I came across this app called TV Premium, which was um, an app that will bring you English uh, – um, they should have said British because it, it was more than just – English, but um, that would bring you English television, and it was a on sale for ninety nine cents. I said, "Oh well, I better grab this." Included were all the BBC channels, the the ITV um, channel four channels, uh, and and various others. And so I I said, "Well, let's let's take a chance and see what it's about. If you if you can get the BBC on your on uh, you know on iOS, meaning on iPhone and iPads and whatnot, uh, that would be great." So I did. I, I got it. It was crashing on that that day that I got it. But I think their servers, uh, whatever they, they were, because the app needs to uh, fill up their. Ch- the first thing the app does when you launch it is to build the channel guide or the, build the channel list, and that's where it was crashing. So I'm assuming what was happening was that many people, because this was in, this was like number three on the top selling apps on that day. Anyway, long story short is that it was crashing and everything. I went back to it, and then it was missing off that list. So I'm assuming it was removed from the App Store. I, I can't say that. I didn't do a search for it, but it was no longer in There's the top selling. that talks about it that updates the story saying that it was pulled from the App That's what I imagined. So uh, for like a, the next day, I was able to access the BBC channels, but I, I didn't check today. But the, yesterday, um, they weren't coming in. Some of the other channels were like, well, the only BBC channel that was coming through was uh, BBC HD, which is different than BBC One HD. I, I've come to learn uh, the yeah. BBC it, HD was mostly nature shows. No, no, no. It actually takes programs from all the other, uh, all oh, the okay. other BBC channels. Basically, it's a showcase channel. Well, that uh, very soon, I think after the Olympics, is going to become BBC Two HD. Uh, what they're doing in the UK during the Olympics, they're going to actually have 24 high-definition extra channels. Uh, and for the first time ever at any Olympics, uh, all the different sports are going to be have their own channel uh, f- uh, active all the day. So in other words, if you, if, if you like cycling or you like gymnastics or you like uh, swimming, you don't have to just tune in for your one hour of your sport. 
there will be a whole channel for each of those at each of the venues. So in the swimming venue, with the swimming and the diving, with the uh, the the cycling velodrome or whatever it's called, uh, and so on at Wimbledon. So it's going so to be absolutely fabulous. So if you have fabulous. twenty TVs, you could watch all the sports of the Olympics going on. <laughs> no, 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 no. The whole point is that it's a misnomer, I think, to say people like the Olympics because some people will say, I love the gymnastics, I love the athletics, or I love, you know, the, uh, the, the, the volleyball, or I love the, uh, you know, the synchronised swimming, or whatever, whatever is their bag. Now as many to do people it. as you have watching, there that many tastes of what they want to see. Some tune in for their country competing, some for their sports, some tune in for the stories. So there's a lot of reasons why people tune in yeah, I'll be watching the tennis at Wimbledon. Absolutely fabulous. I'll be tuning in to see the tenth doctor light the torch. I, I, that's the what I'll be tuning in for. <laughs> it's just with the water. And re-park the TARDIS, right? <laughs> did you, you realise the design of that torch won an award? Because it's got 800 holes in it, and apparently there are 800 different events, and the designers decided to put 800 holes in it. I mean, it's a lot more than that, but because it's got one of these flames that won't go out hopefully, when you're running with it. Mm. Um, and there's one lady, age 100, who will be running part of the section. Interesting. Well, in other programming news, uh, this time shifting from radio, from TV to radio, and, and this was news to me, that that former BBC One controller Michael Grade has a, has a radio show. And uh, um, and Stephen Moffat is scheduled to be in the next installment of it on Radio Two, which is um, the the series is called On the Box. Yes. So this is going to be an interesting show, no? Yeah. <laughs> now, supposedly for... it gives uh, the inside story of the British TV industry from Michael Grade's point of view. Right. It's going to be on the defensive then. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those there that have might been be other. There have been other uh, Doctor Who people that took part that not necessarily are taking part in the program for their involvement in Doctor Who, like Maureen Lipman, Pauline Collins, Mal Young, June Brown, and Jane Tranter. Just to fill in for those that may be wondering what why this is um, interesting is that Michael Grade was the controller back in the 1980s where he... Um, was among Doctor Who fans is infamous for um, spearheading the, the yeah the the the, um, the movement to well it was his movement to to cancel the show, which he eventually successfully successfully did you know after sort of um, you know wrecking havoc with the show and and you know trying to make it lighter and, and comical and all that and. Um, you know, axing the the lead actor and the, the producer that wanted to move on, keeping him on the show, and it just seemed like a um, a, a uh, litany of, of different acts to sabotage the show. I mean, at least. But now we'll get to hear his point of view on this. So show. this episode is supposed to be broadcast on Monday, April thirtieth, at ten p.m., and afterwards will be available on iPlayer. I assume the uh, traditional seven-day window, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, the subtitle is Dishing the Dirt, as you said, I think. <laughs> wow. So that should be interesting. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll have more about that, you know, and I guess in our next episode, because by the time we do our next episode, that should have come to pass the 30th Monday. Okay. Whatever you say, Lewis, comes to pass. <laughs> if only that was true. <laughs> this too shall pass. Right. What's written on the next tablet, Lewis? <laughs> well, the next tablet says that we'll be right back with your feedback on Dr. Hugh Potter. This is Peter Davison, and you're listening to the Doctor Who Podshock. Hey, have you checked out Audible yet? Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction, and so much more. Audible titles... Play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, and over 500 devices for your listening pleasure anytime, anywhere, just like this podcast. And what you may not know, but I'm sure you do if you're a regular listener to Doctor Who Podshock, is that there are plenty of Doctor Who titles available via Audible. In fact, there are more Doctor Who titles than there are Star Trek or Star Wars titles. Doctor Who is really, really popular on Audible, so... If you haven't checked them out, you really want to check them out. And what we like to do is give a possible recommendation for your free title. And yes, I said free title because for our listeners of Doctor Who Pachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. So how do you get your free audiobook? Simple. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchalk to get your free audiobook. And if you're driving and you can't write that URL down or you might not remember that, just simply go to podchalk.net and there'll be ads. Um, there'll be a, um, a banner ad there that you can click on that will bring you to the Audible site for the offer. So as a suggestion... One of the series of audio dramas, Doctor Who related, on Audible, is Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor, Doctor Who, The Serpent Crest. And this is part three, Aladdin Time. It's by Paul McGuire's, and it stars Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor. Let's hear a little bit from that right now, though I don't think this is Tom Baker. This is this is someone else. They, there are actually several people doing readings on this drama, so Tom Baker is one of them. Exotic tale. It transpired a long way from here and a long time ago. Or then again, perhaps it hasn't even happened yet. I am merely the story's handmaid, and I know that it is longing to be told. Perhaps, if my humble tale pleases you, O great and marvellous king of all these lands. Perhaps then you will show mercy to your poor young wife and allow her to continue her useless existence in your wondrous realm. It is said that you never keep your new wives longer than a single night and day. But perhaps, oh perhaps, I can persuade you to spare me. At least until my tale is told. 
It begins here, in an underground cavern, with a glittering treasure trove, in which the most perfect jewels and artifacts twinkle in the pale light of everlasting candles. Such bounty was placed for safekeeping some hundreds of years ago by a band of ruthless robbers. The cavern lies beneath a desert, forgotten by almost everyone. All, that is, but for one wicked magician who has pored over the old maps and charts for weeks and months and now, at last, has tracked down this hidden hoard of treasure. But the way into the caverns is perilous. Try as he might, the magician cannot squeeze himself into the cavern's mouth without bringing danger upon himself and ruining his fine robes. So, to this end, he has stolen a boy, an insignificant urchin, from the nearest shantytown on the outskirts of Aleppo. And he has brought him into the burning desert across hundreds of leagues, and now he has set him to work. This Aladdin, for such is the boy's name, has been commanded to wriggle his way into the cave mouth and descend into the netherworld that those wicked robbers created for themselves so many years ago. Fearing what the magician would do to him and his poor mother if he failed to comply, the boy Aladdin has done as he was told. Terrified, he clambers down the greasy rope with his heart in his mouth, not knowing what he might encounter in that subterranean gloom. He has heard the tales of curses... And that's Doctor Who, The Serpent Crest, Part 3. Of course, Part 1 and 2 are also available. And it's one of the many Doctor Who titles that are available. And you can choose this as your free selection. Or, um, obviously, if you haven't uh, heard the first two parts, you might want to choose one of those as your free audio book. But there are other Doctor Who titles, or you can choose any title you like. It doesn't, you know, that they have to offer. It doesn't have to be a Doctor Who title. Once again, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial, one word, audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And by the way, I believe that was Sophie Ward as the storyteller in that clip we just heard. And we're back with Dr. Pachak. And as always, we always love to hear what you have to say. We enjoy your feedback. And you can call the Pachak Public Call Box at 206-984-3543. And that's 24 hours a day. Or if you're a Time Lord, 28 hours a day. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, any time of the day, you can call. It's basically a um, a voicemail system. So we don't charge you anything for it, but it's just my, be mindful of any local charges from your phone company. It's the number again is um, it's a U.S. number. It's two zero six nine eight four three five four three, and you can just uh, leave some audio feedback to us, uh, feedback for us. Alternatively, you can go to our website podshock.net or gallifreyembassy.org, and there's a feedback link there, and we'll give you other options of sending feedback. And as I always say, you can also even um, most smartphones today have a voice memo 
capability to it, a function or a feature or an app that you can record a voice memo and then simply email it to us at feedback at podshock.net. So um, many ways to send us your feedback. And you could we'll, bury a stone tablet on Long Island and yeah, uh, we'll or, dig it up and uh, <laughs> you know you, did, you could you could, yeah um, record your feedback on a on a on a stone tablet and send it in the past bury it in the past and then um, send me like a treasure map where it is and we'll dig it up and this this uh, never mind <laughs> oh here's a stone tablet it says hello sweetie on it yes <laughs> <laughs> nice one all right well. Uh, we're going to go to some uh, Podshock public callbox feedbacks. And the first up is Gary in that's once again, that's Gary from Austin, Texas. He had uh, called before and he's calling back with more feedback. Hey, Podshock. This is Gary again from Austin, Texas. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for playing my call on the show a couple of episodes ago. Uh, my question this week is actually up. Uh, I'm a, uh, currently just finished a uh, rewatch of uh, Series 6. And I gotta say, one of my favorite episodes from the uh, this past series happened in that episode when it was a tribute to uh, Nicholas Courtney when uh, the Doctor called in trying to reconnect with the Brigadier and found out he had passed away. That was probably my favorite moment of the past series. And uh, I was wondering, do you think... Uh, Stephen Moffat and crew, are they ever going to try to find any way to uh, pay tribute to Elizabeth Slade in a somewhat similar manner in this upcoming series? Uh, Other than the in memoriam they gave at the beginning of Series 6. This is where she uh, had passed away right before Series 6 had a chance to, excuse me, before Series 6 had a chance to air, and so there was really no way to pay tribute to her character on screen. I was just curious, curious your opinion if they're gonna. Do you think Stephen Moffat try to find a way to pay tribute to Elizabeth Slayton and Sarah Jane Smith on screen in a similar fashion to what they did for uh, Nicholas Courtney last series? I'd like to hear your opinions and thank you for any feedback. Bye. Well, thank you, Gary. Uh, I, I well, don't think Lewis. I think I may have yeah an answer for that in that the at the end of uh, the the three episodes that they they did that they did shoot of uh, the Sarah Jane adventures at the very end of that Mm -hmm. last episode, they had uh, a uh, nice montage. And I think that's the tribute to Sarah Jane and to Elizabeth Sladen. Yeah. Her own series. But I I think he was asking more about if they were going to do something, some sort of acknowledgement and Dr. Who itself. And uh, I I don't think they're going to do anything like that. I think they, they left that to uh, the Sarah Jane adventures. Yeah, I, I think the difference is. Um, I'm sorry, Dave. I, I just I, I think the the difference between um, uh, the Nicholas Courtney passing and her passing is that, um, and she was already doing a series that was mostly aimed at children. And, and if you've seen how that series ended, what you're talking about, Teresa, how it sort of ended there, it gave the impression that the stories and the adventures continue on, even though, you know, in the imagination of the viewers, even though you won't see it on television, the the character did not die on screen. So I don't think in Doctor Who we would we would see a similar thing that we saw with, with Nicholas Courtney's character, you know, the, the acknowledgement of the character's death. 
I don't think we'll see that on Doctor Who. I don't if if they do right. if if, they, if there's any acknowledgement, it could be just like maybe the Doctor re- recalls a moment with with um with with Sarah Jane Smith or something like that. I don't think that you'll see. You, uh, the character. You, you, I don't think there'll be any recognition of the character's passing because I think, in in the television canon, I think her character is living on. You know, I, I and I think they'll they'll keep it that way. Um, so I think that's the difference there. Well, I think there's two possible ways they could do something. Uh, one is uh, again quoting back to that last episode from series five. Um, there's the the girl who used to work. Uh, uh, that operation, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. the nowhere manner, what it was called, uh, and Sarah Jane says, "Well, um, uh, uh, let me recommend the, this uh, place unit. There, there, there. They need people like you. So we we could just have a throwaway line where, if they're at unit headquarters at some point, that girl actually goes in saying, "I've been sent by Sarah Jane. Uh, she says you give me a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, as literally as passing as that. The other thing is." Um, one of the, the sad things uh, as well, other than the obviously the major sad thing was the fact that they had that new character on Sarah Jane, uh, played by the young girl who played Skye. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if, if, if something like, you know, let's face it, in a couple of years that, that girl's going to be 16, 17. If, if she could actually be brought in in some way uh, and, uh, you know, how do you know about us? Well, my mother was Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah, that's another possibility where, um, you know, there'll be a, some sort of acknowledgement of, of her character, yeah. Yeah, barring a mention in an anniversary episode, I don't really believe that they're no. going to revisit no. the character yeah. of Doctor Who. Oh, no, no, yeah. not revisit it, just, just, like, yeah, just, just a I'm nod. Just that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think we all agree on that. I don't think they're going to be doing anything, you know, any other tribute other than that. Stands for what it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, a few episodes ago, we reviewed Scream of the Shocker, which um, surprisingly we we never really touched upon. It was it's sort of a unofficial. Well, it was an official Doctor, and then it became an unofficial. Oh, well, depends. Everyone's canon is their own personal canon so i don't want to say what's official and what's unofficial but originally before the series came back in 2005 um the 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 ninth doctor was um what we saw in the scream of the shaka which was um played by um e uh, um e grant richard e. Grant. richard i was e. Grant, <laughs> couldn't yeah. think of his first name there so yeah so we reviewed that story and we've gotten some feedback on that, so this is the first of that. This is um, D Scott seven fifty again. Hey guys, D Scott seven fifty Scott from Tulsa. I just realized I forgot to mention a little bit about Scream of the Chakra, which I really loved, and I'm still surprised I didn't further on adventures with uh, with this alternate Doctor. But I have to say, five. I want to say five Cardis groans for your show, as well as Scream of the Chakra. Once again, like I said, I brain farted. I meant to give my review. Well, he's got seven fifty. Ciao for now. Thank you, Scott. I, I know we mentioned while you know when we did the review that there was a um, a written 
novella or novel about, you know, the if we could call it the shocker doctor, because, you know, <laughs> being that we have another ninth doctor now, uh, the, I can't remember the name of it offhand, but we had mentioned it during the review episode. But um, now um, there was a uh, something that came across our radar recently that there's a... Um, I guess a collection of fans that are doing sort of a radio, like a, like a radio um, drama series, you know, fan made about, you know, with the continuing adventures of that, that, that particular doctor. And it's, um, if you go to radio hyphen sonic dot live dot com, you can get um, more information. And I guess you can hear a little bit of it, you know, there as well. I, haven't I? You know, I haven't had time to really explore any of it yet myself. No, me neither. Sorry. Yeah. Well, this just came yeah, across yeah, our radar this week, so I was unfamiliar with it until now. So it's sort of um. We'll we'll see if we can get maybe um some of their, some you know someone that's involved with it you know um, get their take on it. So yeah, um, if you wanted. Uh, a lot of, and this is too bad Graham's not here with us because I know Graham is a big fan of Scream of the Shocker as well and of that of you know of the Richard E. Grant character you know of this Doctor this this ninth Doctor version, um, which I like too. It's it's different. It's but I as I said in our, and I don't mean to repeat myself, but um, as I said, I, I think this is we used to say well we still do say that the 1996 movie sort of bridges the gap between the the older series to the newer modern day series. But I think this is um the stepping stone between the 1996 movie and what we see on on um on modern television today of Doctor Who and a lot of uh a lot of stuff that we see in the new series in the in the current series we can see the beginnings of it happening in this um in Scream of the Shocker so i i think it's historically it's significant for that if nothing else but and some of the players went on to play oh, pretty yes. good roles yeah. in uh in the new series there was this guy named um, Tenet, David Tenet or something like that. He went on and did... And, and, and uh, a Derek Jacoby, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> and a, a Sophie Okendo? And, of course, the, the studio... Okanito, sorry, sorry. Okanito. Yeah, and the studio, Cosgrove Hall, of course. A Manchester-based animation studio. Yes, yes. You can also... And another way to interact with us is through our website, pachak.net or gallifrandembassy.org. And to that end, we've gotten some other further feedback on um, on the Scream of the Shocker episode. This is from Blue Box Bill. Dave, did you want to read any of this? I'll give it a go. Uh, excuse all my mistakes right from the start. There will be at least two. <laughs> I have it in my contract that I have to make two mistakes on every show I go on. Hi, guys. I enjoyed the episode of your re- and your review of it. My first observation about the episode is that there were too many blue-eyed blokes, including the Shankar. How about piercingly brilliant yellow eyes or pulsating peepers of green? Anything but blue. I'm inclined to think that blue was chosen for the reason of contrast and visual excitement for a cool colour just opposed over the warm tones of brown, red, yellow, orange that keeps the Schalke from taking a monotone appearance. However, there's nothing cool about these magma monsters. They define uncool. One little continuity rough. 
we didn't see Alison actually remove the bandage or plaster from her forehead before the Schalke reunion during episode six and a part three into the beginning of part four. Maybe it was really a sticky one that had to be removed very surely, slowly to prevent her from suffering even more pain than the injury it was covering and protecting. Maybe the scene ran so long they just edited it down. Perhaps it was too graphic. Don't they think... Uh, uh, don't think so. While the depiction of Alison's wounded forehead was not overly graphic, it was visible. The last time I saw more nasty in Doctor Who was during Lytton's final appearance in Tack of the Cybermen. There were times when Richard Grant's vocal stylings as a Doctor was so much like Paul McGann's that I had to remind myself that this was not the eighth Doctor story. It happened a lot. Likewise, the delivery of Derek Jacobi was most was very reminiscent of Roger Delgado's master. It was eerie at times. Apparently, the TARDIS served as inspiration for the Doctor's mobile phone. And yes, that was a nice touch and the mini-bridge between the classic and new who. As to the production values of the episode, I must reiterate, not verbatim, something Phil Collinson said during an interview which appears on the Terror of the Autons DVD. You may not know that Phil was the producer of Doctor Who from 2005 to 2008 for 48 episodes, and that he grew up watching classic Who, which is to say his opinion carries some weight. However, more to the point is the remark he made, which in effect was that you can't simply write off classic Who because it was cheesy special effects or because of how they fail in comparison to today's CGI effects. The makers of classic Who did the best they could with what their budget would allow, could afford, and the technology could make it possible. This is the true of Schalke. It stands up very well when viewed in these terms. Is this story canon? Historically, yes, given that it was intended as the official continuation of the series before New Who bumped it aside. Happy travels, Blue Box Bell. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Dave. Excellent reading. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I I agree. I agree with everything that that um, Blue Box Blue Box Bill said here. I, I think. Um, that Derek Jacobi's role as um, well, I won't give too much away, but of, of the master in this story was very much in the mold of Roger Delgado's in, in a certain sense, um, more so than Anthony Anley. So, so yeah, I, I um, it, as I said in our review episode, it's well worth the time, and it, it, it's it's rather short. The six episodes, each one about fifteen minutes long, so. Um, it's not a big investment to make, and it's available on the Doctor Who uh, free on the Doctor Who website. Though, uh, as I said in our review episode, th- there's a little caveat: you might not be able to um, watch it. You have to click full. At least for me, if you click full screen mode, you'll it, it will appear. Otherwise, the, it wasn't appearing in the designated window that the flash animation was supposed to appear in at the last time I checked. Um, but or if you prefer reading, you can read the. Uh novelization of it. Yes. Yeah. If you can find it. And yeah, I, I don't know if it's still in print or not, but yeah, definitely. Um, but going back to what Blue Box Bill says later on, you know, talking about the classic series and how, um, you know, you can't write it off just because they may not have the budget to really realize the stories. I mean, 
what I'm I'm in the middle of watching a DVD right now from the classic series the um, um, the invasion the, the invisible yeah, the invisible enemy. Thank you. I need a brain transplant. <laughs> so I, I just slide into this little machine and make it clone. So this is a little preview. Um, I I plan to review this in a future episode of Doctor Who Podcast. I'm halfway through the DVD now. It's really delightful because I haven't. Um, I got the DVD when it came out a few years ago. I think 2008, whatever, and I hadn't had a chance to break open the seal and watch it until now. But before this, I hadn't seen this in so long. I, I probably was in the in the. Before the 1996 movie came out, so that's how dates how long it's been since I've last seen this story. So it's it's really great to see this again. This is uh, for those that don't know, this is the debut episode of K9, uh, but uh, it's a very complex production-wise. It's a very complex story. It's it's um, you know it, it takes place in the future. There's spaceships. There's um, um, there's a Titan base on the uh, t- the, the the moon of Jupiter. There's um, there's a lot going, and plus you, this is introducing canine. They had to build canine as well. So there's a few scenes where the set's a little wobbly and all that. And and also I should make a point that um, the DVD has uh, has a you can watch it in how it was originally shown, or you can watch it with enhanced. Uh, special effects. They did CGI. They replaced the original, some of the original effects uh, with CGI, um, you know, current CGI renditions that they did for the DVD, uh, which which is great. And you shouldn't let, you know, you shouldn't really compare those old stories to, you know, the, to today's television because you know, there are different budgets involved. And it it's really for me. Doctor has always been about story, characters, mainly, you know, and um, I guess that's why it it translates so well to radio to audio dramas. You know, they're they're very BBC, um, Big Finish. Um, they're, they're different ways you can listen to Doctor Who stories simply via audio because you can you know you can just use your imagination to kind of fill in the holes. And the same thing goes with the the classic series or older episodes, if you will. Um, the effects may not be top notch and the budget may not have been there for amazing sets and all that, but it's not about that. It's if pay attention to the story and the characters and you're sure to have a great time. And um, so, yeah, and Shocker is very much fits into that as well. I think it's absolutely, I, I was just taking it because I knew you were watching it. I take a little look at it. And, uh, and one of the places they go to is this uh, medical facility that's in a, a big mind out uh, asteroid. Mm. Uh, and, you know, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I was only reading today, uh, Perry Gerakides um, is uh, one of the NASA chaps that we know on the collective. Um, to, actually, today, NASA was having a talk uh, by John Nuth, N-U-T-H, um, about mining asteroids. And here we have a Doctor Who story where not only they're mining asteroids, but it's actually been hollowed out to make a space hospital. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it's a very ambitious story, especially you know it's. This was um was uh, October nineteen seventy seven, I believe, when this was aired. And obviously, it was was had to be you know it was shot and produced before then. So you, you're talking you know back in the nineteen seventies, um, the they didn't really have uh, much of a budget, but they didn't let that stop them from you know tackling this story and well I'll, I'll go more into it when, when we do a review but I just have to say that um, you really don't let you know don't let wobbly sets or um, 
special effects that are not up to today's standards stop you from enjoying great, great stories from Doctor Who of of old. Absolutely. The story before it was Horror of Fang Rock, and the story after it was Image of Fendal. And Horror of Fang Rock is one of my favourites. Absolutely. Hey, mark your calendars. May 19th, the event that everyone's been asking about is coming back. The Doctor Who Pachak meetup on Second Life. We had to forego it in February because the weekend that it was scheduled for was for Gallifrey One weekend. And uh, we couldn't really accommodate another date in March because of schedule conflicts. And then in April came, you know, it was silly kind of to do in April when May was the next uh, date for the for the meetup. So we just decided to... Um, hold off until May. So May is here. It's the 19th, Saturday the 19th. There'll be information soon on our website about it. It's at 1 p.m. Second Lifetime, which is 1 p.m. Pacific Time in the U.S. It's 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time in the East Coast of in the U.S. And then in the U.K., at, what is it, five hours there? So, um, I don't know, nine o'clock or so. But they'll have we'll have more information on our website Everyone's welcome to join in. It's a great way to meet up with other Doctor Who Pontiac listeners, other Doctor Who fans, Torchwood fans, and it's a very it's free. It's all you need is a, a modern day computer and this free Second Life software, and you can join in and meet up with um, other fans. And you, it doesn't have to be a costly adventure. No traveling. No um, fees. No. <laughs> tickets to buy or anything like that so it's uh it's all around, it's all around fun so uh we'll have more details on our website soon so check gallifreyandembassy.org or podchock.net for details once again it's may 19th it's a saturday hope to see you there and speaking of the show that is this show dr who podchock as um you may have noticed this year we've been kind of struggling financially to keep the show going and we do want to thank those that are been helping out Pachak supporting subscribers uh you know it's just been a difficult time so but uh we are determined to keep the show going and flourishing and um improving and um but we can only do it with your help so we want to thank those that have been helping Doctor Who Pachak supporting subscribers for a small monthly fee it really goes a long way and we are tremendously grateful for those that have given their support. You can also help out by becoming a Pachak supporting subscriber if you're not one already. Now more than ever, we need your support. So if you like, go to arttrap.com or pachak.net and you'll, or the gallifrenemacy.org. You'll see a tap, you'll see on the top there a banner to, uh, to, uh, for more information on how to become a Pachak supporting subscriber. And it doesn't really make a big difference and with those uh with with that resource we could do more and bring you more so we hope to do that and continue the show so once again thank you to all our pachak supporting subscribers we hope you become one if you're not one already once again it's arttrap.com or pachak.net and click on the top banner there for more information and to join I think we may have covered everything we needed to cover. If not, <laughs> that looks like uh, I think we did. That's it. the list. Yeah. Oh no! Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> so.
So uh, thank you to gentlemen for joining me and thanks everyone for listening to Dr. Panchak. We're wrapping up another episode here. We'll be back next time for more. And uh, like I said, The Invisible Enemy, I'm halfway through the DVD now, so expect a, a review coming shortly from me. And um, of, of course, everyone else is invited to start watching it as well and join in on the fun. So... Can, well, can I just mention one more thing yes. I forgot to mention? Um, I, I posted a twit pic from my uh, uh, my David C. V-blog. It's uh, twitpic.com uh, forward slash 9C56PL. Uh, in the UK on Channel 5, there's a pro- programme called The Gadget Show, and AV forums were doing a, a video there. And I'm watching this video thinking it's all about tech. And rolling down the carpet uh, is... Um, uh, Richard Ashton dressed as the 10th Doctor. There's two uh, Daleks. And then K9, we've just been talking about K9 in this episode, mm-hmm. is going on modelling a pair of headphones for one of the AV stalls. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they've got uh, K9 going around the exhibition modelling these uh, uh, these headphones, uh, obviously advertising purposes. Uh, 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 you can see that on the AV forums, a little video of that. Great little snippet. That reminds me, someone had tweeted to me about a episode of, and I haven't even heard of the show until then. There's a, there's a show, I don't know, I think maybe on NBC in the US, I'm not sure what channel, called Community, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a Doctor Who themed episode or, or, or an episode that had a lot well, of Doctor Who themed references. Uh, little episode within the episode. A so they had like a, a they, they did like a little spoof, a little Doctor Who yes. thing? Okay. And it's called Community, and yes, it was on just recently, I guess, last week or something. That episode. No, I think this was a while back. Oh, okay, all right. No, I just got the tweet about it last week, so that's why I assumed it was on. Maybe they had a oh, repeat. Is this a, a new thing that they did. I don't know. I never heard of the show, so I don't know. To uh, Inspector Space Time. Yeah, I don't know, but I know that. Um, the series was called Community. That's that's all I know. And they there was an episode that had some Doctor Who references in it. So I figured I'd give yeah, a, a heads at up. At Gallifrey, they had a uh, a whole panel devoted to that uh, little uh, sketch on Community. Oh, okay. All right, very good. So until next time, cheers, everyone. Goodbye, all. Goodbye. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. Knock, knock. Who's there? Doctor. Doctor Who. Exactly.